And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm John Ray alongside Frazier and Dieter Managing Partner of Alpharetta, Roger Lesby. Roger. Hey, John. How are you? I'm great. The question is, how are you? You just finished the busy season. I am doing fine. We rescheduled and we've got this for an afternoon radio show instead there, of the morning show. So you that's go. great. But everybody's either been extended or they have have their tax returns done. So yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. You always show up with not not one uh, bead of sweat on your brow. You're always calm and cool, and I think that's what your clients love about you. In fact, I've heard that from clients that have been in the studio. So congratulations on the great work you do, Roger. Well, John, after 40 years, it's, it's kind of hard to see something you haven't seen before. <laughs> that's <so>. true. <laughs> that's true. You've, you have seen it all, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, let's uh, let's turn to uh, today's guest. You've got a great guest lined up for us. Uh, Matt Fain is with us. He's with Pop Capacity. He's the co-founder, CEO of that firm. Hey, hey. Matt, welcome. Hey, good to meet you. Thanks yeah, for having us. Yeah, great. Hey. Yeah, great to have you in. Um, let's do a little inter- introduction for folks. How are you serving the market out there in, with Pop Capacity? Yep. So once again, my name is Matt Fain. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Pop Capacity here in Atlanta, specifically Alpharetta. So we're right here in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pop Capacity is the digital marketplace for warehousing fulfillment space. So mm-hmm. an Airbnb for warehousing fulfillment, if you would. Um, we act as like a platform to connect shippers and buyers looking for warehouse space in a digital environment where they can learn, educate, and kind of connect in this digital way, much like booking a travel uh, vacation rental on Airbnb or ordering your hamburger from McDonald's via via Uber Uber Eats, right? Um, I've been in the industry for over a decade, right? Started off in supply chain logistics management with a franchise base called uh, Blue Grace Logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, we focused on managed transportation for large enterprises, handling truckloads, less than truckloads, stuff of that nature. Um, I sold that business, went into more on the asset-based side, meaning I own trucks and trailers. We didn't own the big 53-footers, but we had box trucks and sprinter vans that ran the Southeast market on a uh, time-critical courier basis. Um, that's kind of what led us to pop capacity. We, um, I was on the road one day. We got a call from one of our larger clients asking if we could find warehouse space for them. Mm. Um, at the time, we weren't in the art of brokering warehouse space. That's not how we monetize. That's not how we made money. If I've learned anything in this industry, it's to kind of stay in your lane, stay in the direction. Um, I looked at my checkbook later on that week and realized that we probably need to broker out some warehousing space, right? We're all startup, small business. Um, so we did. And, and naturally, I went to Google to mm-hmm. find what I was looking for. Uh, and it was a bit underwhelming. So it, it was that kind of epiphany moment for both Derek and I, our co-founder. It was like, there has to be a better way to find something as basic as four walls, dock doors, and racks. So our, right. our journey with pop capacity kind of be, began from there. Wow. Yeah. What a great story. Um, so you've got uh, uh, wheel grease on your hands, as, as it were, right? I a mean, lot you, of it. you know how the how the industry rolls, as, as, if, if, if I can say that, from a, from a ground level. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's really led to a lot of our success, Sure, right? You can read about supply chain in textbooks. You can learn about it in college. But the reality is you don't understand it truly until you get your hands involved in it. And that goes for any industry, I feel like, right? And you don't right. really truly understand the essence of it until you actually get in there and start doing some of those tax tasks. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. So you had this epiphany. Um, talk about how you went from epiphany to um, getting the company started. 
I mean, they all start with conversations and ideas, right? Convincing the families that this is the right decision for you to make. And um, so it started off just kind of late nights talking about things that we envisioned, how we visualize this platform, how we visualize it being adopted within an industry that is very archaic with a lot of processes and systems, right? Um, so it's just taking those ideas, going from like an Excel spreadsheet or handwritten piece of paper with a lot of brain thoughts and ideas. Um, we were able to hook up with a, 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 a developer down in Atlanta Tech Village, so ATV and Buckhead. And he had already been working on some virtual touring uh, platform for the construction industry, more of the project management side. So one aspect of our of our marketplace we wanted was the virtual touring piece, like much like what you could do on Open Door or Zillow. Like before you go and view that house, mm-hmm. um, you can virtually tour it and kind of get an understanding if that's something that you want to go actually spend time to go see. Um, so we wanted that, and that was going to be a big lift, you know, from a technology perspective. Is building out a platform that's capable of holding uh, virtual tours and being able to to access them in any way. So we were able to hook up with him. He kind of showed us the roadmap of how to develop it. Um, we started putting the UI together, started bringing on some customers pre-MVP. We successfully launched our MVP October 24th of 2020. Um, and from there, we just started kind of building up on it and continuing to grow it with little, you know, all that we, we call them like our wish list of items, right? We're still continuing to build off of it. But we're in successfully launched version two, mm-hmm. with version three coming up at the end of the year. So. And just in case anyone mentioned or uh, failed to pick up on the timetable, we're talking about the pandemic. Yes. When all this is happening. Yes. Say more about (laughs) the challenges (laughs) around the timing of that. It was so, you know, as a small business owner, like you do a lot of convincing to your family and your friends and yourself to tell yourself that you're capable and you're willing to go take this leap of faith because that's what it is, right? Is is a is a leap of faith. You don't know if it's going to work. You have the passion, the desire. Um, the energy to put forth, but there's no crystal ball you can look into to imagine that it's going to work, right? So starting it and then realizing that the whole entire world shut down, mm-hmm. um, it built up a lot of anxiety, right? But if I've learned anything, if I've seen anything, some of the largest, most successful companies in the world were birthed during times of turmoil, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're successful during the downtime. So when it, when it stabilized and things were good, they were really successful. So mm. I'd be lying to you if I did, said that I didn't lose a wink of sleep over it. I lost a lot of sleep mm-hmm. several days in a row, but just knowing that what we were building and what we we're producing would enable an entire industry to keep moving forward when everything around you says stop, right? Some of the largest companies in the world were able to stand up warehouses during a pandemic when their company and organization says, you cannot go anywhere. You're yeah. not going from Los Angeles to Nashville, Tennessee to go look at warehouse space. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but we need it. Right. So we were blessed in the fact that, you know, when the world did shut down, we still gave the industry a way to go procure things without having to step foot on a plane, in a warehouse, on an Uber ride, right? We, we didn't have to interact that way. Yeah, because we still had goods moving. Oh, we yeah. still had truck drivers driving. Yep. Uh, we still had things moving, so all of that was uh, was happening. So That's that right. was good. It, it is one of the industries that grew and and kind of revitalized itself um, during the pandemic, right? right. And we, yeah. we all saw it. Like we bought stuff, right? Uh, some of the A items weren't on the shelf: toilet paper, toilet tissue, mm-hmm. um, stuff of that nature. So we saw the effects of a brittle supply chain, right? And kind of old older processes and technologies and systems being in practice that when a pandemic happened, 
right? They didn't know how to really withstand it. So you start saw, seeing some areas that were failing, right? Warehousing capacity, trucking capacity. Um, so it was, a, it was a time for us to get better, but we had to get better in the dead thick of it. Yeah, in in looking at your company, Matt, you kind of you seem to break it down between uh, shippers and suppliers in terms of your targets. Yep. Let, let, let's talk about the the problems that each of them have and how you solve their problems. So, a shipper, uh, the way that we use the term is just a brand or a company looking for warehouse space. That was me back in 2020 looking for warehouse space on our own, right? Mm-hmm. It was a Google search. It was from there, once you went to the second, third page of the Google search results, you finally found what you were looking for. And then it required a phone call or an email to a web form or a hello at, right? Mm-hmm. We could be better than that. Like, just like I'd referred to, like I can get a uh, Lamborghini delivered to the doorstep of this facility right now right. and have it here by 2 p.m. Sure. Right? Um, the, the fact of the matter is you couldn't do that in the warehousing side. So that was a challenge that... I faced as a shipper, as a brand, as a company looking to procure warehouse space was the fact that there was no technology that helped me get there quickly, easily, and intelligently. A large portion of what we do is just adding visibility to what's already out there in the world, right? We're just basically saying that this warehouse does this, they have this tech stack, they're able to to resolve this solution for you Mm -hmm. without you having to pick up a phone and dialing and calling and going on site tours, right? One of those big things for us is sustainability, yeah. There's some unnecessary travel and flights and carbon emissions that are happening, right? Mm. So we were enable, enabling them to do that. Um, suppliers, on the opposite side of the coin, suppliers in our eyes are our warehouse partners, our warehouse and fulfillment centers, the big, the small, the regional, whomever. If you have capacity, we want that capacity in our marketplace. Uh, but there was no, a large portion of our network and our, our warehouse network are regional owner operators, right? Their dad did this. Their granddad did this. Mm. One thing that they don't focus on is SEO and marketing, right? Um, so they're never going to land on page one, right? You're always going to find a bigger, badder company that has a, a marketing team and a marketing budget in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're always going to dominate the search results, whether they're the best solution or not. Mm. So how can we give our suppliers, our warehouses, a platform that that showcases them and showcases them in a non ad spin related like uh, perspective, right? Um, you don't need to spend the most money to rank the highest on a Google search result. All you need to do is tell us exactly what you do and what makes you tick and allow us to identify a shipper that fits that ideal customer profile. So there was no way to do that in order for them to rank higher on the Google search results or in order for them to bring in more business. It was two ways. You, you dump a lot of money into marketing SEO optimization or you hire a sales staff, right? So both of them are pretty expensive. Yeah, that, that, um, uh, that makes a lot of sense. And what, what you're saying about the, um, uh, how diffuse this industry is, um, I didn't even think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're, they're not just a few big suppliers of space out there that someone can, just look up and count on, right? You don't know what they do, right? right? And they all, if you get on their website, they all read the same, right? They all do B2B or D2C fulfillment. They all work with major brands and retailers and can do anything you need them to do. Right. The reality is you start peeling layers of that onion back and then you start really identifying what it is they truly do good, right? Do they service Target? Are they familiar with Target's retail compliance guidelines? Are they to service Walmart and big box resale? Like what is their MO? What is it that they actually do well? Mm-hmm. And we uh, we allow them to kind of showcase that and then 
place the appropriate opportunity in their facility, right? A large reason for churn and bad business is because you didn't ask the questions up front. You didn't have visibility into what the true service offering was and what really made them tick. Uh, And then you run into issues 30, 90, 12 months down the road, right? And churn and change cost money. So... Yeah, so you're really getting suppliers better fit clients. That's, that's what right. you're doing. I mean, yep. and 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 more loyal clients, therefore, because of that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so Atlanta has the airport. Savannah has the port, which is being expanded. Uh, Georgia is a huge logistic state. Yep. Uh, doesn't this bode well for your company? Oh, it's wonderful, right? So second, third largest port in the country, um, probably first largest in growth potential. And, and that's right, and only growing? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they're dredging all the time out there, making everything deeper, um, being able to bring larger vessels in. Then we have the largest international airport um, here right here in the state, so it makes it really great for someone who travels a lot, like a lot of direct flight options. Um, but Atlanta itself is a logistics hub. It's always been, right? Even dating back to the railway r- railroad times, right? We were the hub here in Atlanta. Um, so it's really good. You've got some big brands here too. You've got Delta. You've got Home Depot. You've got, um, oh golly, there's a long list of them. Georgia Pacific. UPS. UPS. One of the logistic leaders. Exactly, right? Um, so it's a great spot for an emerging tech company and supply chain to kind of help influence in your own backyard. Um, and we've gotten a lot of support from, you know, folks like you, right. Local to the industry who understand that, you know, we're creating something cool, um, in a, in a, in a really cool time. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, Matt Fain is with us folks. Uh, Matt is with pop capacity. He's the co-founder and CEO of the company. Um, so Matt, as you, as you've grown, you built the platform, talk about some of the challenges you confronted along the way. I mean, just uh, when you're building something, you want to have it all right then and there, mm-hmm. right? And as uh, from what I've learned, just dealing with developers and stuff, right? It's not always on the same timeline. Like what I think can be changed and be done in a blink of an eye actually takes several <laughs> weeks. So it's really understanding timelines and and what to expect out of a, a you know a SaaS product and certain milestones and how to gauge those. Um, any founder and any entrepreneur tell you that there's always these challenges that are put in front of you and they're done intentionally, right. To make sure that you can weather the storm on the next stage of it. Um, I mean, the primary things I learned were really listening, mm-hmm. right. Listening and understanding what an industry is telling you they need, mm-hmm. right. Not force feeding a solution down their throat and saying, Hey, this is the next biggest, baddest thing is sitting back. We created something, right. We created a way to digitally procure warehouse space, what else could it be, right? And, and how do we perfect that art of digitally procuring warehouse space? The fact of the matter is you just listen to people. You listen to whether it be small SMBs telling you their needs from a smaller level or some massive enterprise with big initiatives. Um, yeah, it's just learning to listen and not having to be the biggest voice in a room was probably the my biggest challenge personally. Yeah. Because um, you always feel like you have to influence and that influences in, in the form of words. Right. But sometimes that influence can be in the form of listening and just giving that solution after you fully listened to what they've, what, the, what they needed. Right. Mm. Um, aside of bootstrapping a company too, that's, that's, that's really challenging. Right. That's not the traditional way for a tech startup is, is go out and create the MVP, the, 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 the philosophy, the idea, the passion, and then go out and raise money behind it. Right. That's not what we wanted to do. Right. We wanted to create, we had the passion, we had the solution. We could develop the product. Let's start generating money with the product before we start going raising any 
you know, and it would, it would benefit us in the long run too. So that was another main thing is just understanding kind of the, ter- the, the, the challenges you would face as a bootstrap company, understanding that you can't have it all at one time. You can't go hire a gang of 20 developers to achieve what you want to achieve and what you think is going to take a week. Right. 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 Well, and but the, the customers that you've attracted are, tend to be large companies, right? They are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. the, the bulk of our business is fortune 500 enterprises. Um, and I think what they saw is like during this tightening and contracting, you know, everybody's, I mean, we see it every other headline on the news is layoff here, tech layoff here in the thousands, right? We're talking about high single digit percentages of entire staffs being laid off. Um, one thing that we saw is that a large portion of that was in the supply chain, was in sourcing and procurement, was in data analysts, was in jobs that weren't necessarily needed to conduct business, but were uh, nice to have. We're enabling companies to continue to do what they need to do without that headcount, mm-hmm. right? They don't have to have someone out manually calling out on warehouse space anymore. We have got a technology that gives you all the information and all the insights to help backfill some of those bandwidth constraints that, you, that these companies are being stricken with now. So that's from a large company perspective, like they're the ones that have been impacted a lot, right? They're, they've let go entire teams devoted to doing a certain task. Uh, we're fortunate enough that one of those tasks can be, you know, lev- you can leverage our technology to, to yeah. you know, yeah, but they're giving, that. they're giving validity then to your concept, right? They are. And it's a really good feeling, right? You don't always get that. Usually it's a, uh, Usually you start small and work your way up to the big. In this instance, we're working big and kind of help, allowing their voice in the room to push down to, to the other brands and businesses. So, But they're not just going to jump on your uh, and take advantage of what you have to offer simply because they've laid off their tech staff, right? I mean, they, you, you've got to have something that has some gravitas for them. For sure. And, and so you, you obviously were able to get to that point fairly quickly. What do you attribute that to? authenticity, visibility, not creating something and selling something that we didn't have yet, right? A lot of our competitors and a lot of the folks in the industry, they always focus about going and finding the customer first, that big brand and logo first, and then backfilling it with a solution, right? We wanted to make sure that our solution is warehouse space and and, and identifying all the players out there and what they do and what they do well. Um, so we were heads down for 24 months, only talking to warehouses. We did not talk to any customers to try to solicit business with supply that we didn't have, mm. right? We had to go build the supply, and then now we're just now going out and finding the demand. Yes, we were blessed with some amazing customers that saw the value in the beginning, um, but we're just now getting to the point where we're like, okay, we need to tell the world this, and we're going to do it with our own sales staff, our own SEO and marketing, not just through this kind of word of mouth through the grapevine. So yeah, really good. Wow. Great work. Matt Fain is with us, folks. Uh, CEO, co-founder of Pop Capacity. Let, let's just talk about um, today's supply chain situation in general, what you're seeing out there. And uh, as we, uh, I guess from a supply chain point of view, we're kind of still staggering out of a pandemic because we're still having issues yep. as it relates to that. And, and, um, Talk about what you're seeing. I mean, so it's been this tidal wave, like this ebb and flow of things. During the pandemic, capacity was tighter than it's ever been. We saw more warehouses being built, more trucks and trailers being purchased and acquired. And now all of a sudden it's tapered off, right? So now inventory levels are stabilizing. Brands and companies are like, 
Uh, we understand what kind of inventories we need to bring in, and that's not everything under the sun. I think the, the, the solution before for anybody who holds inventory here in the States was let's just bring it in. If there was an empty shelf, that will never happen again, and that was their philosophy. Bring in excessive amounts of inventory, which created this you know, supply and demand issue. We didn't have enough equipment to handle all the inventory. Well, now all of a sudden they've reset, they've level set, their inventory levels are back to stable and they don't need excessive amounts of space or trucks. What happens then? Now we have excess supply in the world. Um, so I think just kind of this, this, this pendulum swing of capacity and what we needed versus what we need now um, has been the biggest challenge. And then visibility and solutions. When something bad happens, especially in supply chain, technology comes to the rescue. Right. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, there was an emergence of a lot of tech, a lot of really cool tech. Right. Some of it was redundant to what was already out there. Some was brand new and never seen before was a use case created through a pandemic. But it was a lot. And it's hard as a, as a as someone who has looked for a solution before and to get on Google and try to find a specific need and the results be 30 different options. is super hard. Right. Mm hmm. I mean, the base of what we're doing right now is identifying what a warehouse is doing and what kind of solutions and the visibility behind those solutions. It honestly could be the entire industry. Any tech that's out there, there's probably three or four different techs that emulate and kind of look similar. How do we differentiate those and how do we understand which one truly caters to D to C brand fulfillment, right? Which one caters to retail compliance going into big box retail, they all look the same from afar. They all market themselves as being the same. But the reality is they're not all the same. So it's like the more folks that can be in the and as the industry evolves, it's like kind of weeding out the redundancies, right? Um, some of the things that may not be valuable and understand truly what the solutions are. I think that's the biggest challenge we're seeing right now is just an abundancy of solutions and trying to figure out which ones actually will help us and add value to the chain. Yeah. Wow. So what do you see as the barriers to entry in your industry? It depends on, I mean, so what we've created is, is something new, right? No one's ever thought about digitally procuring warehouse space um, in that sense. So the barrier to entry is relatively easy. It's just getting the industry to understand that there is a better way. It is very old school, right? I had mentioned it before, very old school, traditional processes, systems, people um, that don't necessarily understand how technology can benefit them. Sometimes think that technology may take away from them being able to build a relationship, which has led to their success this whole time, right? Um, us relaying the that using technology improves your relationship. It gets you to your relationship faster, right? You can have a dozen conversations and half of them could be unnecessary bad conversations. You've wasted a ton of time, right? So then when you finally get to that solutions provider, you're exhausted. You've had the same conversation time and time again. You've heard the same elevator pitch and how they can save you or do whatever you needed them to do. By the time you get to that solution provider, you're exhausted. Um. So it's like, I think that is the barrier to entry for us is like getting the older generation to understand how technology can help accelerate the relationship and not really stifle it. Um, and then with the new generation coming in, right, 
allowing them to see that, okay, there is a technology they can use to do a mundane task. I tell this to all of our customers. I tell this on several podcasts, right? I've got two children, um, seven, 10 years old. If I task them as they get of age and if they're blessed to go in this wonderful world of supply chain um, and they're tasked to go out and find warehouse space or go find a truck and you hand them a phone and say, all right, have at it, call a dozen warehouses and ask them what they do and how they do it. They're going to look at me like I'm crazy, right? They're going to say, there's not an app for this. How do I, how do I do, how do I gain more information and solutions offering, but not have to spend a lot of time doing it? Yeah. Right. So it's like teaching and understanding that they're, you know, it's not just an archaic industry, right? There's some technology and there's some cool stuff coming about it. So jump, jump into it. And we're seeing it now more and more people. I mean, it's not this good old boy network anymore. We're getting a lot of really intelligent people coming from Amazons and Ubers and different areas of the supply chain saying, huh, let me get on the operational side of it. Let me figure out how the technology works internally within the industry, not just as a big brand or a customer. So, Wow. Uh, so what, what are we looking like here as we look forward over the next three, five years, Matt, in terms of, number one, how, the, how do you see the industry evolving? And then what your role in that will be and what pop capacity will look like? Well, I think we're going to go away from any sort of phone calls and web forms and stuff like that, right? I think that as we evolved as an industry, we've realized that there's certain tasks that don't require a conversation, right? Um, Sometimes you can find what you're looking for through a digital platform, through a digital environment. So I think the industry as itself is going to understand that not everything that was done in the past that required a phone call, an email exchange, a site tour, um, those are going to go away. So anything, we call it the discovery cycle, right? And we do it in any industry, right? When you're learning about somebody or something to see if you're going to add value, you're in a discovery cycle. So I think the entire discovery cycle will be digital. Um, how POP will play a role into that is we created this digital environment for warehouse procurement. Tied to our warehouses are trucks. Tied to our warehouses are drop yards. Tied to our warehouses are tech stacks and integrations and all the things. As we evolve as a company, we want to surface those. We want to make it fully transparent that this warehouse in Alpharetta, Georgia, has 100,000 square foot, but also has 200 tractor trailers and 26 box trucks. Is integrated into Shopify and FBA and Walmart and all these things. So you don't have to side take a siloed approach or a vertical approach to okay here's what i can offer this customer in this bucket here's what i can offer this customer in this bucket it's an all-in-one mm-hmm. so it's like as we start realizing as we start getting ingrained in more and more larger supply chains and businesses and brands seeing how we can lever our frictionless that's what we call it a frictionless process through technology into multiple layers of of the industry not just warehouse procurement trucking yard space integrations and us being the go-to and kind of the pioneer of this frictionless procurement process. That's what I'm hoping. Just a household name. And when you think of digital procurement, you think POP created that. POP started this, this initiative, right? And, and it really changed the way the entire industry does business and conducts business without taking anything from it. All right. The last time we, we don't want to take anything from the industry because it is a very relationship driven. We just want to enhance it. We just want to give people the ability to speak um, 
like with some intelligence behind it, with some education, with some data points, right, to help provide a better relationship and conversation. So how are you guys reaching right now the suppliers? I mean, well, for, the warehouses are one one part of the match. Yep. Now, now you got to go out and find the suppliers to match them up, right? Yep. So the, the suppliers are warehouses. So we went spent 24 months finding the suppliers and getting them into a digital environment. Um, the customers and the brands, the shippers, finding them, it's been all word of mouth, right? We've got some really amazing partners and partnerships within the industry that have been in it f- well beyond the length of time that I've been in it. And they've created some networks and partnerships. So it's this network effect, right? Um, we work with transportation brokers, we work with transportation supply chain analysts, right? We work with, um, freight forwarders. So we have a really, we're industry agnostic, right? There's not a specific niche. There's not a specific node or industry that, that we gravitate towards because when you spend time building out a network and understanding what they do, you didn't spend time on building out certain size network. Like we didn't go out and try to find only big warehouses or only small warehouses. We just wanted to find warehouses. So in doing that, we built out this really agnostic system where we can take in two boxes in Atlanta or 10,000 pallets in Long Beach. It didn't matter the use case. Um, so it's like, I, you know, I feel like, I think I lost the question here, but uh, it's, it's, it's been a really good time just kind of understanding, oh, shippers. It was about the shippers, finding shippers. Right. It's all word of mouth referral. We're going to start turning on some social media marketing. We're going to start having, you know, building out a sales team to go out there and let the industry know what we do, how we do it, and why we do it, and the value that other customers are having. So right now, it's just really getting kickstarted on the sales process side and, you know, starting to develop some marketing optimization and stuff of that nature. And I would imagine a lot of those folks are talking to each other. Right. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when, when someone hears, hears of your solution, word gets around. Word gets around. And, and l- luckily, we spoke about before, we started off with some really large companies. And those large companies adopting the technology and using it to add value to their supply chain then trickled down to other similar companies, right? I'll use a large social media company, for example. They were our very first customer. Well, and guess who referred them to other social media companies mm-hmm. and other software and, 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 you know, consumer electronics type companies, right? It's just been this great referral network program, but now we're ready to turn on the sales side of it and, and start telling the world, like, our referrals are the best business, right? Um, now it's less, let's get out there and let's start telling everybody, the entire industry, what we're doing. Wow. Matt Fain, folks, uh, co-founder, CEO of pop capacity. Uh, Matt, this has been great. I mean, I can't, and I can't imagine that there aren't some folks that are listening to this, that maybe have some questions, want to know more, want to be in touch. Let's tell them how they can do that. Yeah. So I'll I'll probably shoot myself for doing this, but you can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Matt Fain, um, or you can send me an email at Matt at popcapacity.com. If you'd like to learn more, if you just kind of want to understand what we're doing over here, I'd be happy to chat with you. Terrific. Terrific. Matt, thanks again for joining us. Thank and you. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick reminder, Business Beat and this uh, show, uh, this uh, celebration of this uh, great story of pop capacity. This show is presented by the Alpharetta office of Frazier & Dieter. Frazier & Dieter is an award-winning international CPA and advisory firm with deep technical expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. 
Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to FraserDeeter.com. Roger, what a great story. Yeah, I like these guys. I like them a lot and uh, glad that they could come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks so much for lining this up. This has been terrific. And uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank you, John. Yeah, absolutely. We will see you next month. We will see you next month with another great story here on Business Beat. And for Roger Lesby, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on another edition of Business Beat.